Welcome to Nothing Rhymes with Garrett's, the newest production of the Live from AC Second Network. I'm Chris Garrett's. And I'm Sam Mulberry. Um, Sam, is this the most pretentious thing we've ever done? I think so. It's, it's high concept. That's a high, that's a high hurdle to clear. That's right. Too. That's right. I think we need to mention where we are right now. Yeah, let's just first and foremost, because everyone can clearly hear in their ears where we are. We are in the, uh, the writing center in HC 324, the Ask Office at Bethel University, which some folks, you know, who are new to our podcast might say, well, what's that so significant about that? Yeah. But uh, this is where we recorded the original CWC, the radio show. I think most of that first season was recorded here. Uh, is that 05, 06? 07. Okay. But in the, in the history of Low podcasts, those many years 07 ago. was really it's early adopting for podcasting. So, yeah. 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 We're basically using a telegraph. Back yeah. Then. I think this summer on this feed, I might float out a couple like old, old episodes because <laughs> they're, they're kind of cool to listen to. We call them old timey podcasts. That's right. <laughs> so days of yesteryear. Right. So yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little emotional to be here. It's, it's certainly meaningful. Did, did you hear that? That that easy, casual, effortless repartee, <laughs> the byplay between? That's basically all we've got for concept for this podcast. Um, we, we've got a few things. We've got A, Sam just wants more podcasts. He, I think he wanted me to do some kind of podcast. And then we had a title for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that's that you came up with the title. Yeah, so, so I guess why I want you to have a podcast is because my whole idea with, with uh, Live from AC Second uh, channel is that there's lots of people that I would love to have a podcast platform and I would love to do podcasts with. But if you're doing like an isolated podcast, and you know this because you've done it, and we'll have you plug your stuff a little sure. bit. Um, is that you have to do it every week. You have to keep cranking out material. And that's that's like big ask for somebody. Mm-hmm. But I realize if we have a feed and everybody can have shows that are on, you know, maybe once a month mm-hmm. or occasional, if you have enough of those shows, people don't feel beholden to, I've got to crank out another episode. But if we spread them out enough that people are going to be, we're going to be able to create platforms for a bunch of people that I think are really interesting. I mean, this is basically who are Chris Moore and I really good friends with who we want to, you know, record with. So I almost feel like we don't really need to do a lot of introductions because if you're here, you you probably are listening to other live from AC Second podcasts and you've heard from Sam, you might have heard from me. Um, some of you might have come here by way of a blog that I keep called the Pietist Schoolman or the Anxious Bench. Um, I don't know, we, we'll learn more about us as we go along. That's right. But and, Okay, so the real reason I wanted yeah, Chris on yeah. is because he has the bigger social media following than I have because he actually participates in social media. I do. Yeah. I'm an innocent bystander kind of to social lurk, media. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at CWC Radio. Uh, I'll never tweet, but you can follow me if you want. You can try. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so so Sam approached me with this idea, and he said, I've got a great title for it. Because mm-hmm. all good things start with just a title. Pretty right? much. Yes. In this case, that's true. So. Yeah, do you want me to explain that? Yeah, title? please okay. do, because uh, you came up with Yeah, that. so uh, as we were t- we were trying to think of, like, for some of these pods, like, kind of clever titles with people's names, and there's a fam- a joke in your family. It's yes. not a joke in your family, is it? Is it a joke? How would you yeah, describe it? depends who it is. It's, okay, well, do you want to describe that? Well, I mean, it kind of gives away the title. So, like, That's okay. We've like, already what, said what the are title. Some, what are some <laughs> common mispronunciations that we hear? Like, Gertz, I think, uh-huh. is the easy G- one. Yeah, where you hit those E's real hard. Yeah. Gertz. Gertz. Yeah. Uh, or Gers. Uh-huh. You know, is, or Gers. You mm-hmm. kind of forgot the T-S sound at the end. Mm-hmm. The one that always drove me crazy was Garrett's. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and there are a couple, like, I actually had some cousins who thought that's what it was. Like, I remember meeting them. They're like, 
Well, that's how you say our name, right? No, that's no, it's it's Garrett's, right? It's and like don't one they syllable. say that it rhymes with carrots, right? right? And that's the problem is I I I think it was like fourth graders. I had an art teacher who's oh, it rhymes with carrots, and I brought that home, and my parents made very clear that's not how it <laughs> how it sounds. But so that that's all we've got to go with to start. It's just like nothing rhymes with nothing carrots. rhyme with carrots. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say right off the bat that this is this is not actually true. Um, unless you stick to the English language, and then I think we're going to find out if it's true as we go through the series of this of these podcasts. My wife, who um, you know, knows a little German, pointed out instantly, yeah, but there are actually lots of words in German that rhyme with Garrett's, like the word for headache or the word for heart. Or but raise your hand if you don't speak German. Hey, well then everyone, we, my hand okay. is up. <laughs> so, so I mentioned we were doing this last night. Unless you've read my CV, in which case I read German. <laughs> So I mentioned this last night, and there was there was an audible eye roll from my from my wife Katie, but she probably isn't the target audience for this anyway. So let's proceed with this idea that nothing rhymes with carrots. So where do we go from there? Well, first we pick like theme music. That was the next big step. Yeah. And we get cover art, <laughs> and we get closer to having an idea for a podcast. And so I thought about it on a drive, and the first thing that came to mind is at this point I kind of feel like Sam and I could just talk about anything for half an hour, given no prompting whatsoever, because this is kind of what our work life is like. Sure. Yeah, you'll we'll come to each other's offices, and half an hour later, we've talked about something. We teach a J-term travel course in which we spend an awful lot of time together talking about who knows what, and so it, it comes fairly easily. And it, partly, like this is just like a challenge to our friendship: is mm-hmm. could we sustain That's like right. a monthly podcast where there's almost no preparation whatsoever? So, if you want to talk. read the subtext of what you're saying, is listener, we don't really care if you're there. That's what you're saying, Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but come with us anyway. Yeah, this is just might be you know, further developing the relationship. So, and then past that, then I started noodling with the idea of nothing rhymes with Garrett's. And so, here's as far as we've got for the concept as we conclude our on-air production meeting is that Sam and I, each week or each episode, will come with two or three words that we've encountered in our teaching life, that are in current events. Even in our life life. Just wild card life life. Just words we encounter that don't have anything to do with each other. We don't tell each other the words ahead of time. And we're just going to take turns. And so should we just practice this? Sure. sure. Okay, so Sam, what's your first word? Uh, My first word, does this rhyme with Gertz? Optics. Optics does not rhyme with Garrett's. Nothing rhymes with Garrett's. That's right. But I was thinking about optics, and this is really a, a word that is more than something that's come up in the, the past week or so. But because we didn't spend this fall together, right. you didn't notice. But I'm really fascinated with words that um, we use the word viral when we talk about, like, Internet things. But, like, I to me, the word optics this year became a viral word kind of in sort of the insidious notion of, of viral so now you don't mean the field of study correct i'm not physics. talking about what our physics right. department does <laughs> yeah. like like just the way like and what i mean by that is like i found myself when i would meet with students because i do i do academic counseling so i meet with students all the time i would find myself talking with students about the optics of what they were doing and i realized like what am i doing what happened yeah so like so this was i mean obviously this came out of the election there was a lot of you know when when something would happen the the pundits would talk about the optics of it like how does it play what does it mean and i've and it's one of those words that worked itself into just kind of everyday life for me and i don't i'm not saying it as a good thing it just was there and i and i would i would catch myself again so an example would be a student would talk about um missing class and i would say well have you have you emailed your professor about that and they say no i haven't done that yet and 
literally coming out of my mouth would be the words, but you have to consider the optics of the situation. <laughs> like, how are they supposed to read you not being in class sure. if you don't communicate with them, even if you have a very legitimate reason? Yep. So this is this is a word that I'm worried about. Oh, it's me. fascinating you say because I actually almost did this last week. I, I was approached with an idea about something, and it basically was going to be a discussion of something at Bethel. And they had asked me and three other white guys, and I actually – I didn't actually say it, but like I remember thinking, I don't like the optics of that. And I, it's it's weird though that I would have that reaction of like I, like it's almost like there's this moral dimension. Like that's we we can't use the word that way when when English is this completely like you know it's this uh, very pragmatic functional language. As long as people use it, it counts. Right? Yeah, and that's what's so fun about English yeah. is is like I will. Because I find myself, and if you listen to podcasts, I will do that with words, or I'll just sort of use them and see, like, if it plays a couple times, it's like, that's now a meaning of the word. Wow. Okay, so let's forecast 2017-18. Is there another, like, field of study at Bethel that could be turned into a word that really has nothing to do with it? Oh, that's an interesting... Um, let me think. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what that could be. Like, <laughs> This is why we probably right. <laughs> talked about this before that's we right. tried to have a podcast about it. But listeners, write in with... Yeah, I want to know, like, what are other yeah. words that, that you found that happening with? And, and I mean, they're, they're, what they really are is they end up being kind of weird, jargony words that, that die often. This isn't quite the same, but, like, is, in, is analytics in this category? Because how is this different than analysis, <laughs> right? We just, we, we've... Well, it, it feels like there's a focus group at some point that decided... Yeah. Because we actually have a major now in analytics, right? Yeah, I think analytics feels like more of a thing. Yeah, than, no, there's something optics. there, yeah. but... Um, it's, it kind of was what happened... Um, a few, a few years ago, I feel like assessment became a thing where it's just like we didn't talk about it. Or we, we did it, but we didn't have a language for it. And all of a sudden, we had a language for it. Yeah. And that just sort of took over. And then I found myself talking with you on these trips to Europe about the tyranny of assessment. Um, where Not that I'm opposed to assessing things because that's where you're, you're finding ways to judge the relative quality or value or effectiveness of something. That's fine. But, but just the way it kind of worked itself into everything where you, you almost couldn't get away of it away from it so i think things being accessible right you know um <laughs> objectives and outcomes now this now we're getting into the world of academia where mm -hmm. we are or where we live but but optics sort of spread i feel like there's actually probably more to come with that i feel yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna be hearing that for a while um but it has be it is like one of the categories now in which you judge how something is rolled out or announced so like we had a, a community gathering at bethel um last week that i went to and this is where like all the faculty and staff come, and they do announcements, and, like, the the leadership team at Bethel, uh, the president and the VPs talk. And, like, and it's a place where I think about the optics of, okay, as they're rolling out these kind of initiatives, like, how does it play? What does it look like? How are they thinking about those things? So, yeah. Great. Perfect. So word number one is optics. Okay, so I, I think I've got a word here. I'm going to move it up. It was my number three word, but um, my word is crusader. Does that Ooh. rhyme with Garrett's? It does not rhyme with Garrett's. Nothing rhymes with Garrett's. Nothing. But here's why I've been thinking about this. So in the news, I don't know if this goes back to 2016 a little bit, but I feel like in the last, like, six to 18 months, two or three different colleges have dropped the name Crusader from their athletic team. Hmm. And they're fairly obscure. I think one of them is this Catholic school in Iowa. There's one somewhere in Pennsylvania. There are a couple in Pennsylvania, actually. There might still be some teams that have Crusader. Like, is Valpo? 
the Crusaders. I, I feel like a lot of team, a lot of. I teams feel like there's still a few those, out but, yeah. there, but a lot have gone away. Like, were you ever a Crusader? I was never a Crusader. I was in uh, elementary school. I was part of the Consolidated Catholic Schools Crusaders, the well, CCS and, Crusaders. And so this is the thing, right? Is there usually it's attached to a religious institution of some sort, and mm-hmm. then at a certain point, like for these schools, um, the optics <laughs> is not so good anymore, right? Like it evokes. Um, a regrettable cause. We actually heard about this in class this morning. Yeah, um, but like, so like that's interesting. And like the alumni response is, always, and so like I'm always interested in these battles over the names of things. Like my graduate alma mater is having this massive battle over a college named after John C. Calhoun, who was you know vice president, secretary of state, and you know the worst white supremacist of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do with that anyway? But here's what I was thinking about like. It's interesting to me that there are words that actually um, are really quite beloved in a sense and are widely deployed. And, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, like in the context of World War One, I, I often show this poster of the very first American propaganda movie from the Committee for Public Information it was called Pershing's Crusaders. And it's this image of all these doughboys marching with ghosts of medieval knights with crosses on white tunics. Mm-hmm. Spine. Like, that seemed entirely appropriate in 1917. Like, that would actually rally the country. Sure. And that's that's only 100 years ago. And Well, and, and, and that's a literal direct connection yeah. to yeah. the Crusades. Well, I don't even – when I hear Crusader, like – in in certain circle in certain uh, situations, I don't even associate it with the medieval crusades. Yeah, exactly. To retake the Holy Land. Like I think about like a um, uh, maybe a nineteenth century person who's trying to break up like Tammany Hall yes. or something like that's a social crusader. reform. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I thought. It's like I, I get it within the athletic world. I mean, there's enough connections between like football and war that I. I but like that actually was an honorable word. Like it, it mm-hmm. noted this really passionate, principled, conscientious, often, you know, faith-based commitment to making the world a better place. And so it made me think, you know, to pursue this connection deeper. I remember, like, my first or second year on CWC, this Western Civ course we both teach, I think it was Kevin Craig was talking about Islam, and jihad came up. And this was, like, in the wake of 9-11, and it's Mm -hmm. obviously a loaded term. And he wanted to, like, make clear, like, for a long time in Islam, at least according to Kevin, but I think it's true. Jihad didn't mean holy war. It meant, like, striving for something. Mm-hmm. So, like, the example he gave was, what well, you would have a jihad against smoking. Mm-hmm. And it could be, like, a personal kind of, I guess, crusade against this, or it could be a social crusade mm-hmm. to stamp out this collective evil. So it's just interesting to me when words go through those evolutions, right? right? right. And I can't even think of other examples. Well, it's, sure I mean, I even, think about, I even think about, like, the notion of... Um, I mean, thinking about, but because a crusade isn't just a battle against something; it's a battle against something with a moral stance. When yeah. you're not talking about medieval crusades, like, like that's, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, I, I it, that word's just done, though, right? Are we? Yeah, I don't know how you would redeem it at this point and reclaim it. Like, I mean, could someone decide to say, no, this is how I'm gonna? Because it would be, it would be, it would be it strictly like doing it to prove the point that you're doing. Yeah, it. Um, I feel like, like organically, it would be tough unless the uh, alignment of the world shifted in a way where we really were getting back to something like where we were trying to actively draw an analogy to the medieval crusades. Yeah. Like I think the only place it would show up now would be on kind of the alt-right, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which like the crusades are really a heroic moment because in, in it's a battle of civilization. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. which just deepens the sense that in mainstream usage it's, it's gone. So that, that was, that was the first word that came to mind. Oh, for interesting. Me. Okay. You ready for my next word? Go. All right. My next word is I, I kind of want. Can I put an article in front of sure, my word? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my word is the process. <laughs> okay, 
Does that rhyme with carrots? That does not rhyme with carrots. Nothing rhymes with carrots. Okay, are you familiar with the process? Uh, if I, if I, I if need I, some context. I okay, um, the Philadelphia 76ers under Sam Henke oh. were doing the process. <laughs> yeah. And have you? Did you hear about the Brock Osweiler trade? I did. Didn't he get traded like like him in a second round pick for a lower draft? Pick? Yes. And yes. they're just going to cut it. So, so I was reading an article on um, on the Ringer. And they were talking about how the, they were talking about this as hailing sort of the process coming to the NFL, oh, yeah. um, and that that the the Cleveland Browns, the lowly Cleveland Browns, which I think is officially attached to their name, like that they, I mean, Paul D. Podesta is running them now uh, of Moneyball fame. Yeah. Uh, Speaking and, of analytics, yeah. So I guess we should define what the process yeah. is here. Yeah. Um, but but I will say this has made me all of a sudden like I'm kind of into the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say. Like I'm. I'm kind of excited about them going forward. So I'm curious your thoughts on the process. But we should talk about what the process is. Please do. So um, the process comes from um, Sam Henke, who I think is in the uh, Sam Presti tree or the Daryl Morey tree of GMs in the I'm NBA. Sure. I'm getting yeah. real, like, yeah, this is NBA wonky here. here. Yeah. But, like, like, so these are, to use a word you talked about earlier, these are sort of analytics-driven um General managers in sports. Yeah, they're not former players who have. They're not Michael right, they're Jordan. Nerds. Who's bought a yeah, team. I mean, nerds, the yeah. Sloan Conference was this past yeah. week. So like these are the the people who are using numbers to try to get at the core of these um, these. I mean, it's all kind of is Moneyball related. Mm-hmm. And um, the process. So so Henke took over the Philadelphia 76ers, and the idea is um, not just to tank to try to get better draft picks, mm-hmm. but to really bottom out and to say our goal here is not initially is not to win. But it's to collect assets because assets give you the potential to uh, have better draft picks, which are going to turn into superstar players. Cheap superstar players. Yeah, cheap superstar players. Or allow you to package assets together to get a superstar (laughs) player. And there's been a whole thing in Philadelphia as uh, the Colangelos have have come in and and Hinky got replaced. And now actually Philadelphia is sort of more ascendant as a team. (laughs) I mean, they've hit some some bumps, you know, partway through this year but but this idea that the process is maybe starting to work so there's all this sort of trust of the process kind of thing but to see that happening in cleveland who is um who last year had the second overall pick and instead of drafting the franchise quarterback which they needed Mm -hmm. they drafted down to go later in the first round they drafted down again they've been collecting picks and now they made a trade to to take a huge contract this is another part of the process is you take on bad contracts from other people in exchange, and you also get other positive assets. Yeah, yeah. So they traded for this terrible Brock Osweiler contract and player um, with the idea that they have no interest in him, but they have an interest in that second-round pick that came with him. Yep. Um, so there's lots of questions that I have for you based on this. Like, how do you feel about the idea of teams really actively not trying to succeed with this sort of – Trying to game this other system in mind does it does it excite you does it oh is it torn is it does it tear apart no no, no. I'm I'm thrilled on multiple level I, I'm thrilled on the initial level is like anything that, that's going to up turn the apple cart in the NFL is great mm-hmm. like, I, I have a love hate relationship like mostly that I hate myself for continuing to watch the NFL knowing how insidious it is and so like anything that's going to like break with that or bring in something new is fantastic um, the second thing I do like about this. It also then points out that these are not like as a fan. Like I see it as like, well, this is a community investment, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember my dad. Like, like for him, he's a Vikings fan, but like the Packers are the model because the community owns the team. And that's like everything should be like. He just hates the way that NFL owners, you know, hold their communities hostage, right? And and yeah, we respond with, well, but it's a community asset, and the community will fall apart if and and we invest emotionally in them. 
Like, this is actually just calling spade a spade. That No, this is actually a long-term investment strategy. And, you know, part of it is maybe winning. I mean, the other thing is, like, it can fail and it can still be successful, but, but, right? What excites me about it, and especially in the NBA, is the notion that, yes, it could fail. And, it and you know, because we know that draft picks don't always turn out and things yeah. like this. But there's also the chance that it could go spectacularly well. Well, so, well, no, but yeah, like, yeah. like, because, because, especially, again, especially in the NBA, because you only need, if you hit on three high draft picks, which sometimes that's possible. Yeah. I mean, if you have a really bad record for, for, for consecutive years, like, you could build this, like, what, what Oklahoma City had when they had Durant and Westbrook and Harden. Like, you could actually see teams like that growing kind of organically as opposed to we're doing the, um, kind of get the big three together model through free agency. Yeah, like, and I do like that that is then something even a smaller market team can do. And right. I know like revenue sharing and caps, you know, level that playing field a little bit. But like that is something that's successful that pushes back against the other kinds of models in professional sports sure. that I you know hate to watch. Yeah, I I don't I also I don't, I don't trust the Cleveland Browns to execute this. I also could see them like bailing in the middle of the process. Well, that's see, that that's the, the danger is yeah. like like you, and this is this yeah, is the hinky thing like you got to go all the way. Yeah. Like so so but then so to flip this around though, how would you feel if your team if you found out a team you really cared about this was the plan. So it meant be aggressively bad for a while. Oh, I, I don't it's hard. Like, I was even listening to the first kind of free agency results yesterday and, like, being disappointed in the Vikings. Like, all they got is, you know, he's like a fine tackle from mm-hmm. the Lions. But, like, that's it. And it's like, are we really fine that? Fine tackle is an upgrade for yeah, the Vikings. So. I mean, like, but thinking, like, like, I thought we were on the verge of something. And that's, and like, I'm a Vikings fan. I should know better than that at this point. Like, why would I not want to blow it up and try something different? I've got mm-hmm. all sorts of historical evidence demonstrating that every other approach fails. And yet... I, I can't imagine watching that. Yeah, you know, for three years, I like I'm already looking for an excuse to stop watching NFL football. So I don't. I think I would bail if it actually. Right. Happened. I mean, it's interesting because like like the Browns fa- the Browns doing the process is just like oh, so we've been chaotic forever. Now we're going to organize that yeah, chaos. Well, so give it like, a name. Who cares? <laughs> but but like like in Philadelphia, I mean, they they sort of. They've been good in, re- in like like I I remember Allen Iverson in the finals like I realize that's like sixteen seventeen years ago now but but the idea that that team doesn't didn't have to go through that at the same time I look at the players on that roster and like I'm kind of excited about when everybody's healthy to see Simmons and Embiid and and uh, and Okafer like. That could be kind of fun. It could be. Okay. Here concludes the sports portion of the podcast. We'll see about that. Okay, Sam. So my next word is a little bit different. My next word is wonder. Huh, does that rhyme with Garrett's? I do not think that rhymes with Garrett's, but then nothing rhymes with Garrett's. So here's why I'm thinking about wonder. Um, we have this series of uh, kind of faculty student presentations in the library called Not Ready for Primetime. And some of them are oriented more around teaching. And so uh, Jay Rasmussen, one of our education professors, had booked this spot for the week after spring break. That I talk, with, I think this is flowing out of some research about like habits of the mind for effective teachers or thriving or maturing teachers. And so he had picked three of them and recruited three of us to speak to those habits of the mind. It's like, I mean, mostly I'm kind of humble because it's like Joey Horseman from English is going to be talking about noticing. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you take notice of things? And Sarah Shady from philosophy is going to talk about, um, I think it's like persistence. Or, hmm. And then I, I was recruited to talk about wondering or wonder. And so Wondering most, or wonder? Well, I think it's actually, maybe it's wondering, which okay. doesn't, that doesn't rhyme with Garrett's either. But. <laughs> so the process of wondering as a teacher. And, and then, I mean, I think this is, how does this then show up? How does this shape? 
teaching, your course design, you know, whatever it is. And so mostly I just want to run this by you yeah. a little well, bit. Well, actually, before you even say yeah. like, I'm curious because when I asked about wondering or wondering, it had less to do with the concept. But, but like, like, are you going to attach wondering to – because when I hear wondering, that see, that makes me feel like – questioning thinking yeah when i think of wonder i think of awe yeah no that's i'm glad you said because that was where i started because like and maybe i just like misread it like if it's wonder then i don't really know because like that's not how i would tend because that that's the first thing my mind goes to with wonder is this yeah i mean it's the sense of something that's transcendent right and that's Mm -hmm. not like i you know, I'm the preacher and the team, so I tend to associate that with what we're doing. No, I, I think it really, whether it's actually that or not, I, I'm thinking wondering. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking, like, what is that? Because I think that's true. Like, if nothing else, people who know me, and, like, my wife's not listening, but she would know. You know, I, I tend to spend a lot of time up in my head, mm-hmm. and I can get kind of lost. And so, like, I assume that I'm wondering. The hard part is, like, how do I show that concretely being applied to something having to do with teaching of some of some sort? And so... I mean, the first thing I started to think about is like there's got to be there's got to be kind of a predisposition towards you know restlessness or dissatisfaction because wondering is really wondering if mm-hmm. right it, it's it's there's got to be a better way to do it and I know that's definitely true because I'm also a tinkerer mm-hmm. when it comes to to teaching yeah and like to a pathological fault I hate doing the same thing twice that's why I like doing two small groups how are we friends because I, I do know. the same thing every time. <laughs> It drives me crazy. No. And so I, I think that's at least what that's the motor for my wondering, sure. I guess, is like I always assume there's something better out there. And then how we get there is the wondering component of it. And then, like, how do you feed the one? And like, so I'd probably want to talk about the kinds of things that I read. But I also want to talk about, like, this is why I think team teaching is so valuable. Like, because on CWC, I lecture like five or six times, but it means that there are like 15 to 17 other lectures that I sit there listening to. Often things that I've heard before, so I'm not really listening for content necessarily. And I don't want to say that I'm daydreaming, but I think there is a sense of wondering is happening as you're in the presence of that. I mean, like if nothing else, I'm starting to wonder about connections that I can draw or Mm -hmm. it's feeding, maybe not even in that class, but I think there's just something about being around other teachers when you were not teaching. So like Jay and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday, and he said that mostly he wants us to do this because, you know, a, a healthy teacher is also a learner. Mm-hmm. And some of us kind of get out of the mode of learning. And so what habits can we cultivate where we feel like we're learning? And so I, I feel like team teaching, we often talk about that. Like this is one of the benefits of being in CWC is you get to watch other good teachers. But well, I have two roads I want to go down here. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, well, I, I can stop there because oh, okay. I've got like one more. I've got two more thoughts, but let me just. Yeah, we'll, 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 I'll leave we'll, that. we'll bounce back and forth yeah. on this. So uh, it's interesting you talked about the sort of wondering, especially in the context of other people teaching, even if you might not be entirely focused on what they're content wise talking about. Um, from, from very early childhood through, I have to admit, this weekend, um, I my mind goes to really interesting places, particularly at church. Mm-hmm. I mean, because because I mean, preaching is another version of this. Like I remember a kind of joy that I would have as a pretty small kid going to mass, especially during. Well, I mean, because growing up Catholic, like the the service is so structured, anyhow, that you know every piece of it, and then the homily is just a small little piece. But like I remember that would be the place I would go to to let my mind wander mm-hmm. um, and and oftentimes I would fi- I would find solutions so so a version of this for me is I was a kid I did a lot of computer programming and one of the best ways for me to write 
to program was not to sit at a computer. I'd sit at a computer like when I was creating a finished product. But I would you'd write the code in your head. You would mm-hmm. think through the logic of it, and then you'd add the syntax later. Yep. You know, so I remember as a kid going to church. This this makes me sound like a very bad like person of faith but like like i would go to church with I, these, I did the same thing with these kind of like insurance. like like yeah. intellectual it's almost like really complicated math logic problems and i would sit in church and i would be i'd be paying attention but it would it would like free my head up to to wander and like and i would walk out of it with these solutions and then we'd usually walk home it was about a half hour walk home and it would be this like rush to get home to like i need to get this down mm-hmm. so that makes me think of that and i still do that at times like because i also attend a lot of other people teaching, and it's stuff that I that I know pretty well. And unless I'm sort of assessing the person teaching, I will often um, let myself go like that. And there's there is something about I think there's something about the the wonder and the wander uh, well, yep. together. So. Exactly. I mean, I'm glad you said that because I also thought the other place where I have these kind of generative wonderings is when I'm driving. You know, and there's that sense of literal wandering sometimes it's literally know. wandering but like it's you know it's it's mechanical mm-hmm. you know i mean on you know roads around here you, you know if you're on a straight north south highway <laughs> sure. if you're going to iowa you know you have a lot of time just to wonder um but like the second thing that i thought then is so initially i go to these kind of solitary like i'm stuck up in my head but i actually think a lot of my most productive wondering happens talking to people and especially to you yeah i think the I mean, I, I've written a few times in my blog about, like, learning to collaborate is primarily, like, the two of us just talking about things. And, like, we have these kind of, like, thought experiments, but mm-hmm. we have to, like, bounce it off each other. And I think that's something to be easy to lose sight of. But, like, we've talked a lot about how important it is just to have, like, unstructured conversation time. And, like, it doesn't even necessarily produce something in the short term. It's like right. planting seeds later on, but right. you just keep coming back It's funny because I have sabbatical coming up a year from now, and what I initially wanted to propose for sabbatical was just, I'm just going to, like, have meetings with people. Yeah. And, like, and like to go back, I keep connecting words, but trust a process. Like, yeah. like this is about the process of this, and it's not about we're doing this because we're trying to solve this problem, but we don't even know what we're going to talk about. And I am amazed – I am stunned. I am in wonder yeah, at yeah. the the number of times that I think we're going to talk about one thing, and all of a sudden, it's like everything opens up and everything clicks into place, and we see a path to something that we weren't didn't even know we were going to talk about. And that's, um, and I really can't talk about it in elevated enough language. Like that's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, it, you know, and I can think of many moments when we've had that. Yeah, it's a mystery, and uh, I mean, that's I was. You know, being facetious a little bit at the beginning, but like I kind of how I thought about this podcast too. It was like it's a more structured excuse to do it, but I really do just kind of trust we can talk for half an hour and we'll come to something that's sure. actually fairly fruitful. And then the final piece I thought about is like you need some space for experimentation too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, how does this actually turn into something? And I don't really like application as much as you need a place where it can fail too mm-hmm. and like the easiest way is like I, th- I think of developing a new course like there's a substantial amount of imagining that mm-hmm. goes into that and you know like when i developed the world war one travel course like i actually just blogged through it that was my way of structuring it is can i actually put this down and it looks like something and and maybe show it to other people um and it's why i like i like teaching cwc because it's got this structure that's you know, it's been there for 30 years, and like, it just kind of pushes me to find ways to experiment within it. That's why I like my modern Europe survey that I do, because it's every fall. It's the same narrative, and it, it's like, well, that's going to be my lab to go try this yeah. out. And, like, yeah. for a historian, that's the closest you well, get to it's it. It's interesting because, you know, I have a, a complicated relationship with when people talk about, like, the Stanford design yeah. model and all this. But 
one of the things that in, in, when we think about experimentation, and I, you know, and I have to admit, we actually do this, and this is part of again the collaboration is. Um, we really do prototype then. Like, yeah. like when, when you and I have done big projects together, part of why it works, I think, and I'll speak for myself and I'll assume you're somewhat similar, is like, I want to impress you. I want to like, <laughs> like when I, because we do very different things. Like mm-hmm. you write, I don't really write. I do a lot of some of the tech stuff. Yeah, you know, like we, do, do. we do very different, you know, some of the visual stuff. So, but my goal is always when I, br- I, I can't wait to bring you something to be like, what do you think of this? And like, isn't this like three steps Further than you thought, yeah. Like, yeah. It, and you do the same thing, you know. So, and and I and, and when I think about it, that really is the prototyping part. That is the experimental part. It's yeah, I made what we talked about, but then I added this to it, and not only did I add it to see if you like it, but like I add it because I, I'm pretty sure you're gonna like yep. it. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's like, yeah, we don't want that. But sometimes that pushes ideas further because we're testing out the, that next thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I, well, actually, one other oh, thought yeah, on yeah, what you said. Yeah. Um, so this is the other path I was thinking of going down. Right. It's interesting when you talk about wondering um, and you talk about yourself as a tinkerer. Maybe you didn't intend this, but you talked it all in terms of I sort of assume things are like broken and we could fix them and make them better. Could you not also talk about that in terms of intellectual curiosity that isn't about fixing something broken? But yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's or, or is that is that your wiring more? I'm just sort of curious. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't think it's like false humility. Like I, I, I'm pretty easily dissatisfied with that. Like I'm in a moment like that as a teacher right now. Like I rarely leave class feel like that went great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe that's just kind of sabbatical hangover sure. or something, or just you know the high expectations. Or something. Well, yeah. partly that, but like it's also like the nature of the way that we teach is it's you know it's feel mm-hmm. right. It's that. Our former colleague David Williams sense of like you go and you're hoping for this like conversion experience or altar call and so you're right. you're always setting yourself up for disappointment and and so I like I I wish it were more like well what you it also also it's also it also is a sign that you've reached a different point in your career because early in your career like you have to be convinced that like that was great even if it wasn't yeah. I've yeah. heard like Mike Burbiglia talk about this with stand up that you know when you first start off the 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 insane thing about doing stand up is you're awful but you have to constantly keep telling yourself you're great. Right. And then when you make it, then you have to be critical of yourself, even though everybody tells you it's great. Yep. Like it's like, and I feel like you're probably more in the stage where it's like, the students be like, no, that was fine, but yeah. like you're like, no, but I, I know what it could be. Yeah, I, that that's probably fair. And I, I mean, I think there is some curiosity, and it's why like I get restless. It's probably just like I like teaching new things. Like it's why I've enjoyed having the chance to develop new courses. Like it's it's I guess exploration or something. Okay. Well, uh, that's. I feel like I can do five <laughs> minutes on this for. So, right. act surprise on March twenty third when you show up, and or we just send him a link and say Chris won't be here today. There you <laughs> go. Okay, Sam. Do you have any other words you want to want to try out here? Um, sure. Okay. This, this this word comes from Chris Moore. I actually I actually wrestled with a number of words um, that we could use, but I'm going to use the word upset. Oh, does um, that rhyme with Garrett? It does not rhyme with Garrett. No, but um, the last calendar year has been a year of upsets. Okay. In lots and lots of ways. The Cavs down 3-1, the election, yeah. uh, the Oscars, yeah. right? Lots of upsets. Um, but we're coming, we're approaching what Andy Williams might call the most wonderful time of the year when the word upset means something else, which is my favorite time of year, which is the NCAA tournament yes. is, is, is coming. So I said we're going to come back to sports. Yep. It's coming up. Um, I realized I forgot about this because I always teach on Wednesday afternoons, and I forgot the origins of why I teach on Wednesday. I used to teach on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Why I teach on Wednesday afternoons is because because it used to be 
that I would stay home on Thursday, the first day of the NCAA tournament. So I didn't want to have class, so I had to go into work on that day. And I, to this day, I still teach on Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes for that reason, even though those days are now during spring break. Right. But thoughts on the NCAA tournament, Chris? I love it. It's my favorite. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, and you, you said that you don't feel like you really know beyond a few players. I, I'm even more clueless. It doesn't know. matter, though. Like, like I know. Like, I'm sure I'll, like, I'll do a bracket. Like I don't love it as much as you do, I have, I have to admit. like I'll, I'll watch a little bit on Thursday and Friday. I like it a little bit more once we're to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I'm just, yeah. See, that's very un of you to, like... Because this is the closest thing we have to the FA Cup, where like you have the biggest—that's <laughs> true—the biggest tournament. And by the time you get to the, the the second weekend, Chris, you've lost your all your democratic love, and now it's all but like is, the elites. Most is that still true? Yeah, is or, it is. We're not just projecting look at, nostalgia. Look at final fit. fours, majors. Look at final really? fours. Okay. It's, it's still like yeah, you're gonna get your, your Wichita States well, here and there, but I'll put it this: I like I love that a lot more than like. NCAA football bowl season. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're basically pretty close to having the four mega conferences or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I can get on board with that a lot. I love that a team like Gonzaga is an elite, or like Butler has been an elite school. And it's almost not even an upset, you know, when they get to sure. the Final Four of the Elite Eight anymore. Like, I appreciate Although that. Although Gonzaga's never been to a Final Four. Oh! So is that an upset then if they get there, even though they're uh, – I it, forgot their last. I ranking. think it'll be breaking through a barrier for yeah. them, but it's not an upset because they'll be a one or two seed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I like it as a surprise. Like I don't know. My my favorite recent sports moment though is is kind of the opposite of it. Which did you see the Barcelona highlights? I didn't know. Okay, so in I don't even know what round they're in in the in the Champions League, but they did these. So at this point, it's early knockout stages. Yeah, it's early way. knockout, but they don't play. It's not like one and you're done. They play you play ties, home yeah. and home. So. So like they were down what four nil. They played in mm-hmm. Paris to Paris Saint Germain, and so they had to come home and they had to. I mean, they had to score five, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and Paris Saint Germain actually scored a goal, and so, so the tiebreaker was away goal. goals. Yeah. and they actually came back and won six to one. Did they really? I didn't see that. It was. I mean, like there were two penalty kicks in there, but like I mean, they had actually put up like two or three, and then. PSG scored a goal and kind of like the air went out of the place. But in the second half, they regathered and they scored a couple of goals at the very end of the game. And it, that's amazing. And that's like so it's cool. that's not an upset. It's like that's a fabulously but it well is at that teams, point. It but it upsets point, yeah. all your expectations of yeah. what's possible. Well, it, it is. It's it, it is to go back to what I said before. It's the Cavs down down three yeah. one. Yeah. Where it's like. The Cavs have the best player in the world, but you're not supposed to come back three one to yeah. You're you're upsetting history. Yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. it just doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay, uh, my last one is actually a really big one, but I just want to mention it because it's something I'm noodling with, which is unity. Does unity rhyme with Garrett's Chris? No, that is not it almost rhyme with does Garrett. right. Almost close, maybe in German. Um, so I'm thinking about this because the next chance I have to offer a new course is one of Bethel's inquiry seminars. And so I hadn't thought a lot about it, but our draft schedule came out. Nice. It kind of <laughs> took on reality because now it's actually listed and students are going to see this. That's this fall, right? It's this fall. So I guess I have to do this now. Um, and so I'm teaching. So inquiry seminar is this new first-year experience in our gen ed curriculum. It's, it's kind of like a freshman seminar. It it has like some writing and speaking components, but basically it's like, let's ask a big question. We're going to wrestle with this together for a semester. And so I had first pitched this like last summer-ish, and I was writing a book where there's a chapter about the nature of Christian unity and why it's so hard to accomplish. And so that's where I'd started. And then, you know, the election happened. And it's like, and so it's like, it's that too. 
But it's also like, what does it mean to live in a society that we constantly describe as being polarized or fragmented or divided? And, you know, how is the church susceptible to that in some ways? And it's being, we're all being formed by those forces. And so, so, I mean, that's what it's going to be. And so I think it's actually a pretty good inquiry seminar. And I got to spend a few months kind of picking books for it. And I also like, don't know, like if a student asks me, so what is Christian unity? I'm not really sure what I would tell them. Like I've given the Catholic Reformation lecture in right. CWC a million times where I put up the list of all the denominations and, we're, and I do lament. And then I also say, but you know, isn't there some kind of like spiritual unity or something? And right. Well, and what I find interesting is, is, and this is definitely sort of been shaped by you giving that lecture and just the conversation we have in CWC is I think about Christian unity in – opposition to christian purity yeah you know i mean right. that's how we end up framing yep. it because that that ends up being not opposition but that's the tension right mm -hmm. that that the the um if you if you really want unity what you have to give up is purity because you because people believe really different things yeah. so sort of a purity of doctrine and i think you know as a protestant purity is pretty high for, mm -hmm. for for most protestant movements um and and i would say um yeah, I mean, I have this. I have this thought generally, theologically, that um, people in, especially people who are sort of come out of very distinct traditions, uh, and maybe this is intellectual Christians and not mm. just people come, that they tend to desire the things that their traditions lack. Mm. Yep. So, like, if you come from a a a um, a tradition that's very much um, has a real sort of certainty about salvation and about those things, that what what you what you what you desire is kind of the the mystery or the the struggle a little bit or if you come from a um if you come from a more sort of sacramental view of grace what you desire is just like the free grace notion right mm -hmm. um and and I, i'm amazed the number of people i talk to who you know they're it's like they're drawn to these traditions which are so counter to what they grew up in it's not even that they oppose what they grew up in but it's like but there's something they want about that. So I think if you're coming from a tradition that maybe focuses a little more on, like, purity of doctrine, then it's like, yeah, but you know what would be great would be unity. Yep. You know, I think there's something to that. And I think that's actually really beautiful because that's maybe where we get a shot at unity is is sort of saying, like, can we can we meet as we're crossing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's – it's a tension. It's probably a dialectic or something mm -hmm. where you're constantly being pushed back and forth. But, because we want both, right? They're not right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm crazy not to want both. Yeah, I mean, th so the one way I have been rethinking though is we tend to think by in those terms of like, as you said, purity of doctrine. Well, it's it's belief. You know, it's the common we hold the same beliefs right. about the nature of God, of the Church, of the sacraments. And so, theologian that I've worked with named David Congdon, who actually I think tweeted it out saying, you know, maybe the because he, he now goes to an Episcopalian church, uh, which is kind of this, you know, the Anglican tradition famously is the wide expanse of what belief could mm -hmm. look like. And where he sees unity is not in common belief, maybe, but in common experience. So, you know, the Anglican commitment to common prayer and to shared worship, mm -hmm. right? And then in common mission, which is, I think, actually the default. This is how we do it, especially as some of, like, the Catholic Protestant mutual suspicion has gone away. And you, you find, you know, whether it's, you know, you're fighting side by side politically on something or you're sharing work together. You know, that, that actually seems that she, like, and I, I can actually visualize what that looks like. And maybe I just need to stop getting hung up so much on the fact that differences in belief, you know, split us. Because I'm such sure. an intellectual Christian, like, sure. that matters a lot to me. But sure. maybe... You know, if, if we do find ways to do the work of God in this world together, you know, there is a kind of unity there. And I'm not doing this just to, like, 
set you up for a spike here, but like it's what draws me to pietism wow. is that is that it, no, and also yeah. like 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 it pushes me away because I didn't grow up in a strong theological tradition. Mm-hmm. I came here and was at a time when that was really a hot issue here, especially theology of salvation and those types of things, and and I I, I didn't love that. And I and it and, and it, it, it I struggled with it and and what Pietism allowed me to do is come out on the other side and be like, maybe that's not the core, maybe that's not the most important thing that we do. I mean, because I would say, I mean, I think in terms of practice or work or mission, like 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 love, right? Like yeah. that's the like because yeah. to me that's that core gospel is is love and forgive and like that's a pretty deep river that I think we can we can all swim in, yeah. you know, and and that might be a place where we meet. Yeah. So that that was actually the book that inspired is writing a book on Pietism, and I got the chapter on why Pietist and Christian unity is maybe <laughs> like. I, mean, I think the line I wrote was like, "It's you know the easiest platitude's mouth and the first conviction to set aside." Right? So we all know this is what it's supposed to be, and we all pretty easily find ways to say, "Yeah," but in this case, we're we're going to split or go apart. What if so, someone wanted to listen to a series of podcasts setting up that book? Well, they could possibly find that on iTunes too. It's called the Pietist Schoolman Podcast. But that was the last time. Like, I feel like I have to get my podcasting like skills back because that was like, I think May was the last yeah, episode yeah. of that we did. So. So I'm getting back in the group. I think this is a good right. first start, right? They, they, this is fun. Does this concept work, everyone? Yeah, I, I really like it. Okay. Um, uh, I would say before we go, can you talk a little bit about what our music concept is going to be here? Uh, yeah, well, I don't – I mean, so we talked about doing a house band first. And so I don't know if this is going to be the same song every time. But like my oh, I kind of think we should just do Wilco and you can yeah, just give me a new song each time. Well, I don't know because I kind of like the song. We picked a song from the the Star Wars album from Wilco called Random Name Generator because – Let was, me propose a middle ground. Please. That's the song we always go out on. Oh, can on. we end on different ones? Yeah, oh, I thought – yeah, we can – We yeah. can. okay, we'll do that. We can always come in on that and we can – and you can introduce another Wilco song that sounds for us great. to go out on. So I, unfortunately, I don't know what that song will be. Well, Random name generator this time. <laughs> oh, okay. we could just do. We could just play it both yeah. this time. So uh, that sounds good. But yeah, I think, I'm not going to make you think on your feet, Chris. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, if you look at my Twitter account, it's one of the few things I reveal about myself is that's my favorite band. So we're gonna we're gonna hire them as our house band for this podcast. So well, let us know what you think. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with the podcast? Uh, live from AC Second at gmail.com. Okay. So if you want to suggest words, we can always take like a viewer word and play around with that. If you have thoughts on the words we discussed here today, none of them rhymed with Garrett's, but I think there were good words to talk mm-hmm. about. That's right. Okay, we'll catch us next time on Nothing Rhymes with Garrett's. I change my name every once in a while. A miracle every